Bhagavad Gita is a book of mankind's collected experience of and answers to life's most basic questions. Who I am? From where do I come? What is my purpose and destiny? And most practically, how do I find happiness? These podcasts originate in the lectures of Neil Bhatt, a disciple of Swami Chinmayananda. They are presented here in 20 to 30 minute segments, each covering three of the Gita's 701 verses. Welcome to Gita Wisdom for Daily Living. So we have seen so far in Bhagavad Gita that in chapter 3, Bhagavan told us that we human beings part of this cosmic cycle, that our bodies are made up of food and food is only produced if there are collective actions. If we collectively act together in unison with the nature, then only the food will be available for us to sustain ourselves. And therefore, collective actions are very important and collective actions are only possible if individual is acting responsibly. So, as an individual, I have a responsibility to act in this world. So, that becomes my ordained duty. Every role that I take, it comes with an ordained duty. And that duty I must perform. Otherwise, Bhagavan said, Mogham Parthasa Jivati. If you are not performing your duties, your life is in vain. You are wasting your life. The goal of life is to evolve, to make progress. For any company, the goal is to grow. If you don't grow, you will die. So, the growth is necessary. For human being, evolution is necessary. So, we have to evolve. He said, if you don't live your life in the manner which it is required, then you are wasting your life. You are not evolving. So, we all have duties to perform. But Bhagavan said, only some people who have achieved this state of Atmatrupta, satisfied in themselves. For such a person, there is no duty. There is no ordained duty for him. Yahtu Atmarati Eva. Syat Atmatruptascha. Atmani Eva Yah Santusta Tasya Karyam Na Vidyate. Only that person who is rebelling in himself, he is satisfied by himself. In other words, he really doesn't have anything to gain from this world. In other words, he has given up his ego as an individual. So Bhagavan said that he is the only person who does not have any ordained duty. Other than that, all of us have ordained duty. Therefore, you must perform your action in the manner of karma yoga. And then Bhagavan also said, one point of time you have to give up actions. Give up the sense of doership that I am acting in knowledge that I am not the doer. So that was chapter 4 renunciation of action in knowledge. Arjun got confused with these two ideas. He thought these two ideas are different from each other. Therefore, he said, you tell me whether performing actions is good or renouncing actions is good. And Bhagavan said, for you, performing actions is clearly better than renouncing action because you are renouncing action without knowledge. You have to renounce action in knowledge, in knowledge that I am not the doer. That is for a self-realized person, person who has reached that state where he realizes that I am no different than the Supreme Self. For such a person, the sense of agency drops automatically. There is no ego. Ego has no validity there. But for you to think that I am the doer and now I am renouncing my actions, that's not going to help you. And therefore, performing actions 
is better than renouncing action. So basically, as long as I have a sense of doership, I have to perform actions, but not to get bound by those actions, I should perform without expectations. And for us to understand sannyasa, he said, if you do not have likes and dislikes, then you are a sannyasi. You are not dvesti na kankshati. Not that one who has given up actions. One who has given up the sense of agency and therefore he does not have likes and dislikes. One who has gone beyond the pairs of opposites. That is the very higher state of existence. When I can go beyond my likes and dislikes. Beyond any identification with my action. So therefore Bhagavan clearly told Arjuna, you should perform your actions. Otherwise, Mogam Parthasa Jeevati, such a person who is not performing actions, is living in vain. In the next verse, he says, Sankhya Yogo Prithak Balaha Pravadanti Na Panditaha Only those who are childish, say they consider renunciation of action in performing actions are two different things. Sankhya and Yoga. So, in this case, the Sankhya and Yoga, as Swamiji points out, are not really indicating the Sankhya Darshan and Yoga Darshan. But it's indicating what we have learned in Bhagavad Gita in Chapter 2. Sankhya is the knowledge. Sankhya is the culmination of my logical thought about who I am. And I come to the conclusion that myself is immutable, imperishable. This body is mutable, perishable. That's Sankhya. So Sankhya here basically indicates the result of my renunciation of action. When I renounce my ego, and the knowledge which I come up with is Sankhya. That is the knowledge. So, Sankhya indicates the knowledge or sannyasa, and yoga indicates the performance of actions. And Bhagavan has indicated the definition of yoga for us. He said, Samatvam Yoga Uchchade. So, Yoga Karma Sukhausalam. So, in this context, Bhagavan says the knowledge about the self, which comes after renouncing actions, and the performance of actions are not two different things. Only those who have not understood this will say that. Obviously, at the time when Bhagavan Vedvyas was writing this, the six darsans were quite prevalent. But it's not that the Sankhya Darshan was written by Kapil Muni and therefore he is the originator of Sankhya Darshan. These two philosophies were obviously embedded in our Vedic culture. And Kapil Muni wrote Sankhya Darshan to codify and Patanjali wrote Yoga Darshan to codify Yoga. But those two terms were pretty frightening even in those days and more so in our days. In our time for an average person to think about renouncing actions or renunciation, sannyasa and then yoga. So we think sannyasa is for sannyasi and yoga is for yogis. I am neither a sannyasi nor a yogi and therefore I am a grihasthi. None of them are for me. Therefore Bhagavan Vedvyas has to come back in Gita and redefine those terms. And the Sankhya is the knowledge about your own self and yoga is performing your action in right manner. So in this case Bhagavan said, you don't consider renouncing action and performing action as two separate things. Only those who are childish about this philosophy, they will consider them. Na panditaha, but those who are established in this knowledge, for them they are not two separate things. 
they are one and the same to be practiced serially. So he said, ekam api asthitaha samyak ubayor vindate phalam. If you establish yourself in one, you will get results for the both. Because the destination is the same. The destination is to know my real self. Bhagavan in chapter 2 changed our paradigm. Paradigm which we live in is I am an individual, there is a world outside. I have to compete with everyone else in this world for survival. They are all my competitors outside. What I want, they also want. And therefore, I have to constantly fight. And if I don't fight, then I'll be destroyed. So, Bhagawan says, you change the paradigm. Yourself is imperishable. And yourself and his self and herself, they are not several different selves, but the one self manifesting to many. That's the goal. That's the knowledge I need to recognize. If I establish in one, in the knowledge, or if I establish myself in the yoga, which is karma yoga, where I can perform all actions without any expectations of the result, Bhagavan said you will achieve the same goal. The same result of liberating myself from this bondage of likes and dislikes. My bondage is the right now of likes and dislikes. I want things which I like and over things I don't like. Those are the two ropes which are tying me to this world, this prakriti. So, in Sankhya Darshan and Yoga Darshan, the goal is the same. In Sankhya Darshan, Purusha and Prakriti are two separate entities eternally existing. Purusha, when get entangled with Prakriti, then all the sorrows starts. All this Sattva, Rajas, Tamas gets activated. So, the goal in Sankhya is to separate Purusha from Prakriti. In Yoga, it is to tame the Prakriti in compliance with Purusha. So one is the theory, another is the practice. I heard a very interesting analogy about Sankhya and Yoga. In Sankhya, the Purusha gets entangled with Prakriti. It's like my son who is a good son, but he has a bad company. He is behaving badly. So the goal is to separate my son, who is his good behavior, from the bad company. So Purusha who is always in bliss, he gets entangled with Prakriti and gets into trouble, well, remove Prakriti. Keep him away from that bad company. Well, the yoga said, why not tame the bad friend? If my son has good behavior and his friend is behaving badly, rather than separating them to their good friends, let's reform his friend so he also behaves the same way my son behaves. So, yoga is to tame the Prakriti, Sankhya is to separate yourself from the Prakriti. So, here he said, the goal is the same, ekam api astitaha, if you establish in one, samyak ubayor vindate phalam, you will achieve the same result. And Swamiji says, this verse is also translated differently by different people. One is said, ekam phalam prat. So, ekam from the phala is one, when you establish in both, or you can say, if you establish in one, you will find the results of both. One way or other, the goal is the same, is to liberate yourself from the bondages you are suffering right now. Yat sankhe prapyate sthanam tad yoge api gamyate. That state of existence which you can achieve through the knowledge 
if I achieve the knowledge that I am not the doer, I am just a nimitta matra. Consciousness is using this body and intellect as an equipment to transact with this world outside. But this limited ego has no real existence. It is just the perceived existence, perceived existence of the limitations of the room space. There is no limitation in the space, but I perceive them because I am perceiving through the lens of the measurements of the walls, floors and ceiling. If I can transcend this perception, then I will see the unity of the space. But the equipment I am using has limitation of three-dimensional perception. I can only perceive things in three dimensions. Even though now string theory says there may be as many as ten dimensions, our faculties are not equipped to construct a picture in my head which is beyond three dimensions. We are trained in thinking in three dimension. So before I draw a plan, I can see that room in my head in three dimensions. If I can go beyond this and establish myself as I am not the doer, then I can achieve that state of no bondage and I can liberate myself. That yogi apigamyate. But the same liberation I can achieve through yoga. And the yoga in this case is simply giving up the fruits of actions. If I can give up that expectation, if I can train my mind to not to expect a particular result from my action, then I will be liberated from that anxiety and sorrows about what will I get, what did I get, and why should I be not getting this. So Bhagavan said, Ekam sankham cha yogam cha yah pasyati sapasyati. One who sees that Sankhya and Yoga, the knowledge about the Self and the practice of Yoga is reaching towards the same goal. But one has to make oneself worthy of one or the other. Then only you can start this journey. One who sees that, he sees that. He sees the true knowledge about these two practices. Sanyasahatu Mahabaho Dukham Aptum Ayogata. You have to decide which path you want to take depending on your own ability, your own capabilities, and your means. Can I afford a journey from Richmond to New York by car or by plane? It all depends on how much time I have and how much money I have. So Bhagavan said, Sanyasastu Mahabhav Dukham Aptum Ayogataha. If I come to the conclusion that it looks like the yoga part is difficult, but it's easier, I'll, I'll be a sannyasi. Bhagavan said, one who has not established oneself in yoga, for him sannyasi is very difficult, very painful. Dukham Aptum Ayogataha. You have to practice this serially. First establish yourself in yoga. That doesn't mean you have to become a yogi because it's a pretty frightening word. We all want to start meditation right away. But in Ashtanga Yoga, there are eight limbs. Yama, which is behavior. Niyama, which is spiritual practices. Then asana, postures. Then comes anaya, practice of expanding your vital energies through breathing. And then comes pratyahar, 
which is not feeding the senses, then comes dharana, chitta ekagrata, then comes dhyana. Dhyana is the seventh step where we want to go straight to dhyana. And after dhyana, there is a step called samadhi. This is a long journey to get to that point. It's very frightening for somebody like us. We can't really control our behavior. We can't even practice spiritual practices. I can't even practice asana, pranayama. So we have given up all the six steps and went straight to dhyana. So therefore, Bhagavan simplified it for us and said, for us to perform yoga is just perform actions without any expectation of the fruits. Once you establish yourself in that, then you can think of sannyasa. But if you are not established in that practice of not expecting the fruits of actions, then sannyasa is not easy. Pretty painful. Yoga yuktaha munihi brahma na achirena adhigachati. But one who establishes himself in yoga or herself in yoga, for him to achieve that supreme goal of achieving identification of supreme self, which is Brahman. So this Brahma here indicates that state of Samadhi when I achieve oneness with my supreme self. When room space clearly not identifying with walls and floors and ceiling identifies itself with the space outside as part of the universal space, that space is achieved Samadhi. Right now, I'm defined by my limitations, so I'm called Jiva or Ego or a room space. When I'm not defined by my limitations, then I'll be called Jivan Muktaha or universal space. So, Bhagavan says, Yoga Yuktaha Muni, one who has firmly established himself in the practice of not expecting any result for himself or herself. That Munihi, the one who is meditating on the Supreme Self to achieve that state of being one with the Supreme Self. That person is meditating and meditation does not really mean sitting down and meditating, but constantly that one thought in that mind, the ultimate goal is to achieve that oneness. Such a Muni achieves Brahman, achieves that state, na in no time. There is no guarantee is given here when. But when you achieve it, it will feel like it will achieve instantaneously. It may take years to achieve something. Once you achieve it, it really doesn't matter how long it took. So Krishna says, Arjuna, you and all your friends who are learning Bhagavad Gita, just practice Karma Yoga. Do not expect any fruits of actions. We'll stop right here. If you find this podcast helpful, please support it by donating any amount by going to the episode's website at neilbutt.podbean.com or at chinmayarichmond.org. Thank you. Om Sarve Bhavantu Sukhina Sarve Santu Niramayaha Sarve Bhadrani Pashyantu Ma Kaschid Dukkha Bhagbave Om Shantihi Shantihi 
शांति हरि हरिओ श्री गुरुभ्यो नम हरिओ